0: Hey everyone, uh, this is Reza, and this is Tristan, and welcome to Loading Screen, where today our topic is going to be role-playing games, a historical genre that is near and dear to many people's hearts.
1: Yeah, it's probably one of the biggest genres out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it started off even before video games, right? Like Mm -hmm. the old days of uh, D&D and and role-playing games where you would literally just toss a die uh, and kind of make the game up as you go along. Um, But it's definitely changed a lot over the years in a a lot of really interesting ways that that I'm hoping we can cover today. All right. So before we
1: get into it, because I think we're going to talk about many different things today, let's start with the definition. How do we define RPGs?
0: The way that I've always defined it is that you define it. These are games where you choose who you are. You choose what you do. You choose what happens in the game. And I think... Uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's a game where you get to do and be whoever you really want to be, and I think that's really where the appeal of the game comes for mm-hmm. for uh, for for a ton of people. Um, I mean, the the formal definition of a role playing game is really any in which a player assumes the role of a character in a fictional setting, yeah. uh, which which kind of made me laugh because this is literally the definition of any video game, right? Yep. Like, I can't think of a video game where you don't assume the role of a character, uh, other than like. I don't know, Tetris.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're a uh, tetromino manipulating
0: person. <laughs> yeah, you're blocks of wood that are dropping, yeah. dropping to their deaths <laughs> at the bottom. Um, but yeah, so I, I think like for the purposes of this podcast anyway, we're going to define role-playing games that have a couple of different characteristics that we're going to uh, dive into uh, over the course of the podcast. So the first one uh, really goes back to the fundamental of personal choice for for the purposes of this podcast we're going to define role playing games uh, as any games that have four main characteristics um the first is personal choice the second is narrative impact uh the third is a stat system and then the fourth is is world discovery let's talk about personal choice
1: cuz i feel like the big names in this genre when you when you think about them they always market personal choice um Things like Mass Effect or Skyrim, um, where you know there's like a billion branching paths, there's a billion characters you can interact with and make different decisions. So, yeah, I, I guess, I guess in your mind, when you think about personal choice, uh, the question I have is like, do you want to go for breadth or do you want to go for
0: depth? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the thing about these games is that they try to go for both, right? Like, there, I think the best role playing games are often the ones that allow you to uh, be any kind of character, whether it be someone that is very selfish and you know is kind of self driven and 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 motivated by their own desires, or someone that's like more giving, you know, and someone that wants to help others. Um, there's other games that uh, have implications for every choice that you make, right? So early on the game you might choose to help somebody and then 10 hours into the game it'll have some sort of implication for you um and it's it's really interesting how uh how how they go about it i mean it's think about the average video game right like you have a narrative or you have a set goal and then you kind of just go about doing that and you have some amount of choice but yeah it's definitely not to the degree of, of like what makes rpgs really stand out um what's also really interesting is that these games kind of there's there's they're, they're able to do this in two different ways, in my opinion. Like, I think some of them, uh, they hand you a character, right? Like something like The Witcher 3, you're playing as a character. You have Geralt or Rivia, and you're kind of playing out his, his story and his narrative. But despite mm-hmm. the fact that you have a character uh, with, like, a history and a set path, you are still the one making the decisions about their attributes and right. the quests that they go on and the people that they help. And all of those have implications down the line. Um, other games take a much more freeform approach. They will literally just throw you into a setting uh, and you can to choose everything about the character, their name, their gender, their race, their, their class, every part of it. Um, and that's an even more freeform approach to role-playing games where you're in fundamental control of every part of who that character is. Right. And also the way that's shaped over the course of the game and the way that the narrative shapes who they actually are. It's, 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 it's really difficult from a technical perspective, of course, but it's when they pull it off well. It's it's honestly pretty amazing what you're able to do with this stuff.
1: Yeah, it's like almost going back to like the. Did we mention D and D yet? I think you did, right?
0: Yeah, I and and, and we're going to touch upon this a, a little bit later as well. I think like D and D is definitely Dungeons and Dragons for those who who don't know what that stands for. Um, is definitely the root of a lot of these games. A completely free form driven by like a dungeon master and the folks mm-hmm. that are playing the game. Um, have you ever played it? I've, I've never personally played it, but I've always been curious about it.
1: The reason I brought it up is because I, I feel like RPG games where it's like complete blank slate almost gives me stress. Um, and it's similar to why I haven't played DND because there's so much prep work that you need to do and you need to make up so many things as you go along, even if your, your GM or DM is uh, doing a lot of the heavy lifting for you. So I, yeah. I have avoided DnD very actively in the past.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, some of these games are are, are really heavy. And I think like for, for people that are newcomers, um, it can be pretty overwhelming. I'm similar to you, even though I like RPG games, I think I do tend to get stressed almost when I'm playing them, mm-hmm. exactly as you said, because there's just so many decisions and choices that you could make. Um, that it gets, it, it gets a little overwhelming for some people. But I think, like, it is very satisfying for, for a lot of folks. Um, and we'll definitely talk about that. Uh, I think the, the next element I want to talk about is, like, like narrative impact, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is, I think this is particularly where RPGs stand out as well. Um, exactly as in personal choice, right? Like, all other games have a, have a narrative and a story that they are intending to tell you or take you on. Um, yeah. And and we'll talk about this in our other episode focused on, on single-player narrative games. Um, those are wonderful games. They're, they're a ton of fun. They're very engaging, and you still feel like a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think RPGs are the king of making you feel like you are actually a character in those stories. You, yep. Every decision you make is impacts the narrative. The things you say, the friends you make, uh, it impacts the direction that the story goes in. Uh, and sometimes it's as simple as just, like, being romantic partners with someone in a story. And then other times, the choices you make will literally change the endings of these stories. I mean, some of them will have, like, 10-plus endings with, like, a branching storyline to reach every single one of them. It's pretty intense.
1: I, f- I feel like RPGs are such an abstract core of many different types of games. Yeah. Because... I'm thinking, now I'm thinking like action RPGs, Diablo, right? Um, That has zero narrative impact implications. You just kind of play the game and that's about it. Yeah, Um, totally valid. So, I I don't know. I'm kind of torn on, um, at least on the narrative part, how important it is, at least for me, to have that branching path versus... It, it, the, the fourth point that you mentioned, world discovery and, and narrative discovery, um, I, I actually feel like RP, at, at least the RPGs that I like tend to have less narrative fluidity.
0: Interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a totally valid point, right? I, that's the beauty of the genre to some degree. and like video mm-hmm. games in general, like whether or not you care about the story is entirely up to you. But I think yeah. uh, when you consider the impact that like, for me, as someone that loves narrative and someone that like came into video games playing single player narrative games, right. when I play RPGs and I know that I've like actually impacted the choice and mm-hmm. and it's a surprise every time, right? Like unless you read some guide beforehand or something like that, yeah. you don't know which choice is going to lead to what. And when you're able to like make that click, mm-hmm. uh, for certain people, I think it's like it's incredibly satisfying knowing that like oh shit, I did this and this happened. I mean, like even in like the recent. Guardians of Galaxy game that just came out. Uh, It's not an RPG by any stretch of the word, but there's still narrative choice. And oftentimes the dialogue choices that I made literally played out in how many people came to help me out in like the end sequence of the game. Mm -hmm. And as I was playing it, you're already like quite energized because of the scenario. But then you see these people joining you because of the fact that you helped them in the past, right. and and it's literally like an endorphin release because you're like, oh shit, I helped these people and now they're here. <laughs> I don't know, it's it's pretty fun. But I do agree with you. I think like you know, it's up to the player and like the type of RPG that you have. I think narrative impact isn't necessary for a game to be RPG, but yes. I think uh, it 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 does define some of the best RPGs for mm. me, anyways. So we talked about choices. We talked
1: about narratives you know maybe going into the actual implementation a little bit more right how how do players actually make these choices and you know determine the direction that that the story will go
0: in or you know the choices that they can make yeah and i i think this again goes back to some of the things that you brought up about like D&D, right like the foundation of this games uh, it sounds kind of boring to say it in this way but it's it's literally a stat system uh it, it, all of these games typically feature a system that defines a lot of the different elements of the character's uh, statistics. And 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 these can be things like intelligence, religion affiliation, brawn, luck, inte- uh, like all that kind of stuff. They're literally just numbers that define the character's strengths and skills. Um, and depending on the kind of game that you're playing, they can be really, really simple or they can be incredibly detailed. Um, and, and and what's super cool is that like you might predefine these in the beginning of the game. But oftentimes, a lot of those like personal choices that you make, both in terms of narrative and in terms of combat, etc., they feed into the stats that you end up with at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, not only do they like affect uh, your character, but they affect the gameplay, they affect the world. And there's kind of a feedback loop of like you controlling the world and the world controlling your definitions and 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 your personality traits, um, which is which is a ton of fun. I think stats
1: actually make things a lot more manageable because it it helps you kind of decide a direction that you want to go in, right? Whenever I play RPGs, I like to have a build in mind, right? So I'm playing Fallout and I want to be a punchy melee person. Um, And understanding which stats I need to maximize or minimize and, and things like that, I think really adds to the gameplay experience. And of course, it's like another Dnd byproduct as well, right? d is yeah. famous for having all these stat checks and um, number crunching dice.
0: I don't even know what any of this is called. I'm just making stuff up. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I I will say as someone that, that doesn't play that many RPGs a lot of the times, I think the stat system is also something that kind of scares me off a little bit, depending mm-hmm. on the kind of game that it is. Um, I mean, like, some games are, are, like, relatively simple. Like, I think Skyrim does this perfectly. Your, your stat system is not that complicated. Whereas something like Dark Souls, it's all numbers-based. Yeah. And literally, it, it's literally just numbers. Uh, they don't even, like, try to hide it under things like, oh, intermediate experience or whatever. They'll literally just be, like, 62. And I'm like, what is, I have 62 intelligence. What does that mean? Like
1: it, It's uh, <laughs> literally, like, opening a spreadsheet.
0: Whenever I see Dark
1: Souls, it's like you open up a table. That's what your
0: menu is. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Uh, And for some people, that's, like, incredibly satisfying. Like, the min-maxing, exactly as you said, is, just like, a ton of fun for a lot of people. Um, And so it can be kind of fun to see these, like, stats change uh, and, like, be really extreme in one scenario just for the sake of it and just for the fun of it. So it's a ton of fun. Going back, I think a little bit to some of the, the the points that we made about like personal choice and narrative impact. I think what what also defines a lot of these games is like the world that you are surrounded in, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it's one thing to have personal choice and like narrative impacts, but that none of that really matters unless you actually get to see it impact the world around you uh, and impact the people in that world. So, like yeah. these games are are often they're often open world um, and they have a pretty strong focus on exploration and discovery. Um, And and when you create these like large expansive worlds filled with new weapons and items and new enemies and and side quests with, with other characters, it definitely makes the impact of that personal choice and narrative uh, uh, just like hit harder, I think for a ton of people. So like having a great world focused on discovery um, is definitely, I'd say like a pretty core part of, of, of the genre. Uh
1: I, I agree and I think the the part about world discovery that I enjoy the most in RPGs is when it's not hand like uh spoon fed to you right so the example that I always go to is in fallout three I believe um so fallout is a an RPG based in like a post-apocalyptic setting and uh, all these people lived in vaults which are kind of like bunkers uh you know so you can survive the nuclear wars and stuff like that and there's a vault where i guess they decided to install great floors right like um floors that have holes in them in their dining area <laughs> and you kind of read around people complain about it and you actually get to go underneath the uh the grate at some point in that vault and you just find Tons of forks and spoons that people have dropped and it fell through. <laughs> and like, that's funny. nobody tells you about this. You're just kind of yeah. like exploring it. I Like environmental storytelling. I think that's actually one of my favorite things about RPGs and especially tied yep. to world discovery.
0: Yeah, no, it's a ton of fun finding these like little Easter eggs that the developers and like artists definitely uh, like put some heart into, I think. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just like makes the world feel even more realistic. And when you yep. like, these details just, I think they make or break a lot of these worlds because otherwise uh-huh. they're just like generic, right? And like, you don't really care if you're having an impact on a generic world. It, it just doesn't really stand out that much for a lot of people. Going back a little bit, these four characteristics for me are really what define like some of the best role playing games. Uh-huh. It's personal choice, uh, narrative impact, give or take for some people. Um, I think a stat system for, uh, for character definition. And then, of course, like, uh, world discovery uh, is, is obviously like a pretty key part of, of, of what makes or breaks these games. Um, and I think when you combine a lot of these elements together, you get something that's really unique to the medium of video games, right? Like yeah. movies, books, and other forms of storytelling are fundamentally linear, right? Mm-hmm. Like Sure, there's a few books and like a few experimental movies or whatever that may let you choose things and like interact with them. Uh, But at the end of the day, video games are the king of this kind of, uh, of this interaction, right? Like you choose what happens and there's no other form of media uh, medium that can really kind of allow the player to actually interact with and choose the direction of the story and, and actually like be a part of it.
1: Yeah, it's like, um, it's the best method of like escapism to a sense and even, you know, going back to movies and books you know in let's say you're watching lord of the rings and you're like oh i wonder what would have happened if this and this happened instead in rpg games you just go and do it right so there's, yeah. there's a lot of
0: agency and player control there's a ton of experimentation with these games um especially the more freeform ones mm-hmm. uh you're just kind of messing around a lot of the time <laughs> especially when you get to like replay these games um it's it's fun for a lot of people so I, I feel like we've kind of touched upon this already throughout like a lot of the discussions, but I, I kind of want to go back to talking about why some people even like to play these games. Yeah. Um, Tristan and I have, have obviously talked about how they're good. I think we've we've touched a lot upon some of the negatives for some people, <laughs> right? Like the overwhelming stat system and and just like how stressful some of that can be. But mm-hmm. I think th- the genre is easily one of the most popular ones and also one of the oldest ones for yep. games. And and there's like a bunch of reasons for that. The first one we've already touched a lot upon, but again, choice is is fundamentally the defining trait of, of RPGs. Um, you can be a good guy, a bad guy, and and I think for a lot of people that that's a lot of fun. Um, exploring these worlds is, is definitely like a second component. Like these details worlds have rich stories, lots of side characters, um, and, and seeing the impact that your choices have on these worlds is, is is just a lot of fun for people. I think the third one, though, is really what makes this one stand out for me is, is just these games are infinitely replayable for a lot of people. Um, you fundamentally have so many choices that after you're done playing this like 20 hour story or 25 hour story there's nothing stopping you from just going back mm-hmm. and trying something completely completely different right and even though it's the same game and the and the gameplay might be the same the choices that you make and, uh, and 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 the play styles that you pick will change and as a result of that it can sometimes feel like a whole new game for a lot of people Um, So people often put, you know, 100, 150, 200 hours into these games because of the fact that you can just keep coming back um, and and trying something new, which in a world of $70 video games, (laughs) you (laughs) literally get the most bang for your buck whenever it comes to RPGs, for sure. I just want to touch on replayability for a second,
1: because I think that is why people spend so much time in these games. Example, Skyrim has been released on 50 platforms you can play oh it on god. your fridge i bet that's and just because people... bethesda's lazy <laughs> <laughs> no but people keep buying it again and yep. again like no, i've personally do. bought skyrim three times um <laughs> i may have a problem uh I, I i bought it on pc um and then uh the switch and then the playstation so oh it's my like god i don't know it's like i think part of it's like oh I really like the gameplay loop. I want to go yeah. try it again. I want to try it in this manner, that manner. And as you said there, the game responds so, so differently every time yeah. um, that it's like a new experience
0: that you get. Yeah, totally. And I think like th- there's also a meta thing about like finding out how jank games can be sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, like in a normal games, when you find a bug, it can be kind of funny uh, but then you like kind of move on. But with like RPGs and open world games, when you find a bug, it just makes you want to like keep finding other bugs. And oftentimes, they're just like they just they add to the gameplay in like a really funny kind of way. And so I've literally seen people who will just like they'll play the games normally like two or three times, and then after that, they're trying to intentionally break the game. But like yeah, you just you just keep coming back because there's so much like new to discover in these games. It's a t- it's a ton of fun. I think at the be-
1: beginning of the episode, you talked about how. RPGs, you know, predate video games. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit uh, about the history of RPGs? Maybe not in the video game medium.
0: It, it all really started out with a lot of the OG role playing games that came about in, in, in sometime around the 1970s. Um, initially, these games were literally just text and paper based. Uh, you had things like dice to help introduce like a sense of randomness to certain decisions and outcomes. Mm-hmm. um players would literally build character sheets that had like defined intrinsic qualities so a lot of those like stat stuff that we talked about in the game so yeah those come from literal pieces of paper where people would pick like oh i'm 62 intelligence or something like that um uh, you know they'd start with classes and there'd be a lot of other elements of choice but they were all just pa- paper pen and uh, and dice Um, I, I think the other element that also made these games really popular is like in the game, these games were incredibly cooperative, right? Like you can't really just sit around. I mean, I guess you can sit around playing D and D by yourself, but that's definitely not the the way the (laughs) game was intended to be played. Um, but I mean, like most of the time you played this with other friends, right? Like you would have one player that would serve as like the narrator or the master of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, but beyond that, you were kind of playing with your best friends and, um, and that led to like a lot of fun scenarios, right? Like sometimes uh, you'd have one friend that was kind of trying to play dual characters or one other person that was like incredibly kind and helpful. Um, and it, it was just a ton of fun for people to, to goof around with friends. Um, and I think the best example of this is, is really Dungeons and Dragons, which is like right. easily one of the most famous role playing games to date. Um, yeah. What's really funny about Dungeons and Dragons, I found this out my research, is that similar to like a lot of the scrutiny that video games get nowadays for mm-hmm. being like too violent or like you know p- potentially pushing people in the wrong direction, D and D when it first came out got a lot of pushback because of the fact that it has like demonic and magic <laughs> elements to it, yeah, and so there were people literally worried that it was like uh, it had negative side effects on players, so that it was like linked to the occult. Um, And a lot of like religious organizations were not a fan of it at all, which is hilarious to me. We haven't stopped being paranoid about video games still despite 30 years passing between now and then.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, um, I I remember this, as we were talking about it. Um, Did you did you see any research on LARPing? or have you heard of larping? I've heard of larping. I have yeah. I didn't do research on it, but <laughs> I've definitely heard of larping. I, I just wanted to side note uh, a little there just so larping stands for live action role playing, which also came up in the late 70s. Uh, you know, if if D&D is kind of a you sit at a table with your friends eating pizza, I talk about fantasy world, uh, larping is like you go outside on the park and pretend to cast magic spells like each other and stuff, right? So it's literally the funniest
0: shit in the world. I, <laughs> I could like respect that a lot of people get fun out of it because, like, mm-hmm. uh, who am I to judge? But at the same time, anytime you see videos of this stuff, yeah, it is the funniest crap. You have like grown adults wearing like elf hats and and like ma- self made costumes, mm-hmm. uh, while like throwing a twig at another person. Being yeah, like, I cast magic. It's like.
1: <laughs> It's like cosplay on another level, right? Because yeah. I've seen uh, the costumes that they wear. It's pretty advanced.
0: Yeah, they can be pretty advanced. I mean, it is really impressive from an artistic perspective what they're yeah. able to do sometimes, but it's hysterical to yeah. watch in person. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, I'm happy, you're happy, but this is so funny to me. And they know it most of the time. Also, there could not be a worse acronym in the world than LARP. LARP. Like, they they really could have picked anything else, but they picked LARP. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so going back a little bit to, to, to Dungeons and Dragons, uh, I think you know we talked about how it was really collaborative and, and and you play with friends. But I think going back to the the tenets of like narrative uh, impact, I think storytelling was definitely one of the main focuses of of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. Like you and your friends are kind of working together, you're going on a quest to discover new things and like rescue people and tell a story along the way. Um, and I think the game itself is really the canonical form of the RPG, like you yeah. and your friends, you craft characters, you choose who you are. Uh, there is like a narrative lead, uh, but you were in charge of directing the adventure. And, and sometimes these adventures were pulled from books. Um, which detailed like a lot of options for players to pick from. So you can still mm-hmm. find these. For beginners, I think it's a great option to literally just look up an adventure book and kind of figure it out with some friends. Yeah. Um, but I think like for a lot of the advanced players, uh, it was a ton of fun to just craft stories themselves. Uh, it, you would just go completely rogue. The Dungeon Master would come in with some set narrative, some set mission, um, and you would just kind of go on it with, with your friends and see what happens. Um, I will say one thing to keep in mind, these games last a really long time. I was once invited to join one, and I was mm-hmm. told it was a short campaign of eight hours. So <laughs> if you get invited, just keep in mind it'll take a day most likely. I, I mean, I, I think there's this different types. I
1: know there's like one-shots where you yeah. just kind of go through to one setting oh, or one sitting. Um, there are other that are definitely more longer term, like you got to play every week for a few months or something like that. Um, I just want to touch on the Dungeon Master for a bit because I, I feel like the... Yeah analogy here is that the studios are basically the dungeon master master. yeah they're coming up with the stories um i know there's a lot of memes about bad dungeon masters but honestly it's a lot of work um i think i read something on reddit the other day where they were saying they asked uh about the uh blacksmith's name uh in their story and the dm said his name is black Smith, like first name Black, <laughs> last name Smith. And then and then the players got really frustrated and played and and they're like, Okay, can you give us his family tree? And I'm I'm just sitting there reading this post thinking, Oh my god, if I was a dungeon master and my players are asking me to outline the family tree of this like yeah. one NPC, I would lose lot. my mind. It's a
0: lot, yeah. I mean, people get invested in this stuff. Uh so, like, if you're playing with really advanced players, they will ask every little detail. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think for them, it's what makes or breaks the world, right? Like, yeah. you get to really sit in that scenario and, like, pretend like you're that person. Because, yeah. not I mean, not that any of us will ever be, like, a wizard on an adventure. But, like, that's probably what you would do <laughs> if you were one. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd probably just die right away because there's no way I'd survive in any of these cases. I, I would backfire a spell immediately sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no,
1: but I, I think, you know... I. It really ties into like DND, the core of it is world discovery, right? Yep. Whether it's the macro world, because I know some DMs come up with these like, you know, intricate maps and whether it's a labyrinth or the actual setting it's on, or you're like figuring out how to use these items. Um and like I said, the the game studios are
0: basically the dungeon masters in a lot of these games. Yep. No, totally. Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely formed, and I, I think that's a nice transition to. I think like some of the first games that were actually video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first one that I found in my research was the Ultima series, which which came out in around 1981. Um, but there was a total of about nine games that that actually make up the series, and I think they contributed to the like the future of role playing games in like a couple of different ways. Uh, So these games were some of the first RPGs that had like a predefined narrative Mm -hmm. that was meant to be a component of the game rather than being like a completely more open-ended approach that like D&D took to their games. Um, I think also a lot of the later versions of the game really helped push the complexity of the genre, right? So like uh, we're talking about like graphical fidelity, adding dialogue trees, day and Mm -hmm. night sequences, uh, NPC schedules. Like I think these games kind of pushed the envelope in what could be done with the genre overall and definitely yep. led to the current realm where these games are definitely some of the best in terms of just sheer detail and complexity. Um, like I genuinely can't even imagine trying to make some of these games because of the fact that they're just so insanely complicated. Um, and so like, I think we can credit the ultimate series to really setting a lot of the fundamentals of what video game RPGs, um, should look like. Uh, and, and a lot of these like continue to define the genre to this day. Um, the next one is, is kind of a genre that, that still exists. Uh, and I think, like, Tristan, you, you've you actually played this one. I haven't played it. Yep. Um, but, but Fallout, right? Like, Fallout was, was first released in 1907. In 197. Uh, <laughs> 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 wow. Fallout was first released in 1997. Um, and, and it was different from a lot of the other RPGs uh, that had been released to date just because of its tonal direction. Um, the game wasn't afraid of being brutal and dark and cynical. And I think like, despite that, it was a really highly detailed game. So really setting a lot of the fundamentals of character decisions, impacting the elements of the storyline. Right. So like one example of this that I saw in my research was like, if you played a character with a really low intelligence score, Mm -hmm. their dialogue was literally just grunts. Like they, they wouldn't do anything but grunts. Um, and so the game was like pretty unique for its creation of like perks and traits um, and in general it just like added a ton of variability into the direction of the game um, I think the tone of the game definitely made it stand out you know so far a lot of the games that had come out before this were definitely fantasy RPGs. Um, but fallout took a very funny approach right like it was often meta it wasn't afraid of doing its own thing a ton of the time so I mean it still exists. Uh, I don't know which ones have you played Tristan which ones you actually enjoy I I've played three onwards
1: um, which is kind of a shame because one and two are actually very different from three onwards
0: interesting okay
1: like I would say fallout one and two are very very close to the the, you know purest RPG experience Um, it's brutally difficult the stats really matter um and the the gameplay and story actually depend on the player doing a lot of the exploration and and learnings for themselves whereas i feel like three and all the games after that turned it more into an action game um and they like streamlined a lot of the different things
0: yeah definitely makes sense i mean i think those changes definitely made the the genre more approachable i think for a lot of people though right like oh yeah uh, it, think of skyrim uh, made by the same studio it, it's not complicated compared to a lot of the old old rpgs right like mm-hmm. the stat systems are there the choices are there etc but it's definitely a safer game for a lot of people um and i think like that safety is what made the genre so approachable for a lot of like the average um the average player yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great transition into like some actual current game recommendations that like we would make uh, if if you're at all interested in trying the genre out. Like one of the main recommendations that that we would make is definitely to check out the Witcher series if you're at all interested. Um, the Witcher Three is set in, uh, in in a world that was originally based on a series of novels written by a Polish uh, author um, whose name Tristan and I tried to pronounce and butchered, so we mm-hmm. will not be releasing that. Uh, <laughs> but um, but I think like The Witcher Three is is known for its storyline, its character relationships and the sheer amount of like player choice. Um in terms of like the number of endings and the way that the different games actually tie into each other. Um it literally when you open up the third Witcher game, it'll actually ask you if you want to import your save file from Witcher Two, mm-hmm. so that the choices in the game from Witcher Two can impact how you play in The Witcher Three. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't, it, it'll just you know play some kind of default choices, so you definitely don't lose out. It's not like it's a requirement, um, yeah. but I think it's it's right off the bat you can kind of tell just how detailed they're kind of trying to make the game. Um, I, I think like I've played a couple of hours of it. It's definitely a ton of fun, particularly because of the fact that its side quests uh, are easily some of the best in in the video game industry, like bar yeah. none, honestly, like they go out of their way for every side quest to be a real narrative story with actual emotional impact and and like implications and things like that. A lot of open one games, like Assassin's Creed, et cetera, they're they're full of side quests, but they're often just like kind of like crappy uh, fetch quests or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Witcher three doesn't go that route. They want to build like a really concrete story with real character relationships with, with player choice um and with real decisions that impact your play style that impact the world around you and they go out of their way to, to make that as concrete as possible um the, and, and this kind of ties into the actual combat itself right like the core of the game is you literally going monster hunting uh uh-huh. you play a character uh Geralt of Rivia who's a predefined character in that he has its own you know storyline and past um he is a witcher who who is a a, a even know how to describe it but it's effectively a person that had to be mutated into a monster hunter effectively so these are people with superpowers and etc etc but um so the core of the game is, is really monster hunting, right? Like you are going out and about and, and like hunting these monsters but you can't just rely on combat chops. Like you can't just go in with like the strongest weapon and just like hack and slash. Uh, you really have to actually do your research in the game. For example, like one of the quests that I was on, uh, I had to like fight a werewolf, right? And I was like, okay, it's fine. I have a silver sword, whatever. I'll just like go fight it. After I like looked it up online, I realized you literally have to go find some books and read about these monsters, understand mm. what their weaknesses are, understand what potions to use what oils to put on your sword uh, and when you go about that process it's just such a more immersive world than like merely hacking and slashing and playing like some banal uh, side quests and things like that um, so yeah Witcher 3 really renowned video game I think I can handily uh, it, it's, it also strikes a pretty good balance between being like stats heavy and player choice heavy but also not so heavy that it's like overwhelming for a lot of people it's a pretty good first entrance I think for, for a lot of people that are curious
1: it might be our first and last entry because it takes like <laughs> 300 hours to beat the whole thing.
0: It does, yeah. If you play a lot of the side quests, it will take a while. Uh, but it's a good game. So, like, I think I, I've honestly like will play it for a couple of weeks or like a week and then put it down and then come back like a couple of months later. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm waiting for the next gen upgrade to come out, and then when that comes out, I, I'll probably give it another go.
1: I I wanted to plus one the side quests because I think a lot of other RPGs um including some of the ones that we have on this list tend to have very generic quests and it, it, it yeah. like the gameplay loop just becomes this like mindless you know pressing of buttons yeah whereas exactly like you said Witcher 3 is very unique and it, it it's like a refreshing new experience yeah. every time you take on
0: something there really are like hundreds of stories within this one story. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a main quest and a bunch of side quests. It feels like there's a main storyline and then all of these, like, random storylines that, that you can actually go on for the sake of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a ton of fun. Uh, I would strongly recommend it. Um,
1: and yet they they somehow messed up Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was wondering whether I should include that in the yeah. list, and I was like, nah, that game is a bit I, of a mess I, still.
1: I, actually, one, one side note there... This is Cyberpunk is not on our list of recommended RPGs, but um, I just want to know, like going back to what Rosa was talking about with DnD and you know tabletop games having a lot of uh, background material. Cyberpunk was actually one of those things. Like it was, it was a yep. tabletop uh, game.
0: Yeah, no, it's literally based on that, um, and then they butcher the video game. So yeah, uh, <laughs> I actually can't speak. I haven't played it. I I think I'm gonna get it. Whatever the. The next gen upgrade actually comes out, but that might be in like 30, uh, 3,025. So who knows
1: yeah, what it's gonna be. I, I I can't speak cause I, I spent 40 hours playing that video game.
0: Oh my God. I didn't know that. So I thought you played for like five hours.
1: No, no. I played through the whole thing. Oh,
0: that's sad. okay. Okay. Um, well, so the next one is a bit more reliable than, than, uh, than, than Cyberpunk. And it's one that like, we've kind of talked about a little bit already, but, but Skyrim, um, I think Skyrim is uh, easily one of the safest choices for a fun and simple role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, even more simple than than The Witcher 3. Like, if, you, if you've listened to this podcast and you are thinking that uh, it's just, like, too complicated for you uh, and, and that, like, you're not really interested in how stats-heavy these games are, give Skyrim a chance. It, it genuinely is a very simple game in the sense that, like, you, uh, it's still player driven. You still have a lot of choice in, you know, like the friendships that you make and and the cho- in the direction of the storyline. Um, I think it also does something similar to The Witcher Three in its side quests in that there is like a ton of affiliations. By the end of the game, you you'll literally end up being like a wizard, demon, werewolf, etc., etc., etc. Like you'll have all of these different characteristics from that each have their own storyline attached to them. But none of them are, like, as complicated as The Witcher 3. Um, and I think, like, the gameplay itself is, is, is a lot simpler as well. So, um, and as Tristan has said, it is available on quite literally every platform out there. You can play this thing on a TI-84 um, <laughs> if you wanted. It's, it's like, really, really available. Um, the general plot line, if anyone isn't aware of what it is, but effectively you play as um, a man in, like, a fantasy setting uh, or a woman, you know, whatever you want it to be. Uh, or, cat. Or, or cat, or cat dragon, dragon, or there is yeah. a lizard, yeah. there is a kajit, whatever the hell you want to be. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, anyways, uh, the, the protagonist uh, is, is set in a, uh, in a fantasy world where dragons have kind of come back to life, and you're effectively tasked to figure out why dragons are coming back, uh, and and you know just figure it and you know yeah, that's it. You're really trying to figure out why dragons are coming back and, and kind of like end it, uh, if that makes sense. So really simple premise um, but the world is is quite rich I would say uh, mm-hmm. there's like a ton of choice and it's it's fun like the, the gameplay isn't too complicated but you still end up having a lot of fun with it um, so strongly recommend Tristan you've, you've played this on five different consoles
1: yeah yeah uh. <laughs> i i think my notes about skyrim i would also recommend it um i I think it being on this by the way if if we didn't make it very clear this part of the podcast we're we're recommending games if you want to go try rpgs um i i think the addicting part about skyrim is the gameplay loop um i actually don't think it does any of the things that you mentioned in terms of the definition like Okay, personal choice, sure. Narrative impact, maybe. The stat system is laughable. World Discovery is all right. (laughs) Um, But it's like a very routine type of game. You go loot like a dungeon or a tomb or whatever. Uh, You you, uh, craft a bunch of stuff. You get stronger. You level up. Um, And I think that's what makes it fun and accessible uh, versus maybe Witcher 3, where the gameplay loop is kind of a question mark. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I think the this is more of a joke, but I think the biggest player choice in Skyrim is
0: your inventory management. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you're always when I, overencumbered. When I played this on PC, I just turned on God mode via the console, so that uh-huh. I never had to worry about inventory management. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now I have it on my P- on my uh, PlayStation, and. Uh, a lot more frustrating when you have to actually worry about that i think my point is that it got me addicted a little bit like it was easily one of the first video games where i was rampant and i was playing for like six seven hours a day Mm -hmm. because it was summertime and i was just goofing around and it was so much fun it was just so satisfying Um,
1: i i think you even put in the notes but just to reiterate if you haven't played rpgs before we 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 would probably recommend. Uh, sorry, we would probably recommend this as like baby's first RPG.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, and if you hate it, if you don't like the choice, if you don't like how open it is, then you probably won't like the rest of the games in the uh, that like we're recommending. Yeah, just because of their, they're just the complexity goes way way higher. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, okay. TLDR, Skyrim, pretty fun first entry into RPGs. Justin, I know for you, JRPGs, uh, Japanese role-playing games are also something that like are, are pretty different from the traditional US role-playing games. Um, I have zero experience with a lot of these, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to talk about them for a little bit?
1: Yeah, I would say... I'm, I'm kind of doing this on the fly, so don't, don't kill me. But um, I think the main difference, as I think about it a little bit more and we're discussing RPGs in general, is that the Eastern RPG games... Uh, uh, they rely less on i would say branching narratives okay uh, they they tend to be more streamlined at least the games that i chose and there's heavier emphasis on the battle system um and um, most of them actually tend to be like turn based interesting okay i guess is closer to dnd right cuz dnd you you move on this um square grid and everyone takes turns taking uh taking action and i think that's how the eastern developers have approached jrpgs so that's that that was the delta i want to bring up first and then three games that i put on the list uh one was final fantasy i think it's probably one of the biggest rpg franchises in the world uh there's 15 mainline games for you to choose from so (laughs) pick your pick your favorite number i guess uh (laughs) But yeah, Final Fantasy tends to have, uh, is kind of like the Japanese standard, I would say. A lot of turn based gameplay, Mm -hmm. lots of good narratives, artwork's fantastic, music's fantastic. I'm surprised we didn't talk about music or uh, artwork at all. Um, I I think we touched on graphics a little bit. So that's kind of the mainstream one, I would say. Um, Shin Megami Tensei and Persona has gotten a little bit more popular. This tends to be kind of on the harder side of things, um, and these RPGs rely on collecting different types of teammates for uh, for you to battle with. So, Witcher Three, Skyrim. I think these games have companions, right? Yeah. yeah. So the, they're characters that follow you and help you battle. But in Tensei and Persona, you you have to basically deploy your. Uh, units uh, your team of demons or whatever to actually fight for you so um that was another thing i want to bring uh another series i want to bring up and then if you wanted kind of a, a persona or shimagami tensei light uh, i'm sure you have heard of this series before but pokemon is very similar in terms what's of pokemon what's well uh it's released in 1998 <laughs> No, i can go on forever with this um it's it's very similar. You you, you ca- Pokemon are these like monsters, pocket monsters. That's what's called Pokemon. Pocket I'm serious. Um, <laughs> you you go around the world. You catch Pokemon. You build your team. Um, there's a type system. So you, you know. I think you mentioned Witcher Three had this too, right? Like yeah. weaknesses and strength. So you yeah. figure out how to beat your opponent's Pokemon, and and you kind of become the Pokemon champion in the in the region that you're in. In general, JRPGs tend to have this um game design where you're fighting with a team of characters whereas mm-hmm. i think western rpgs tend to be more of an individualistic um experience maybe, maybe yeah. that's something about you know a, a commentary on society but um Interesting.
0: yeah <laughs> i love it i love it Tristan. we're getting pretty deep here um, <laughs> so the next on our list is actually a game that tristan or i haven't played uh yet uh, but it's the Wait, Mass what, Effect What are you series. signing us up for? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is going to be another bet for you, just oh, whether God. or not you finish the entire <laughs> Mass Effect series by the time this podcast is released. Oh God. Um. But yeah. So the the, the Mass Effect series uh, is, is is developed by Bioware. The first game came out in in about 2007. Um. And and this game, you play as uh, you play as a protagonist named Commander Shepard, who is who's a predefined character in that they have a name and a background um but you also do have a lot of choice when you're starting the game in controlling their appearance their combat abilities or talents um and the first game has has about like six different character classes for you to work with as well um i think the unique thing about this one in particular compared to some of the ones that we've mentioned so far is that it's a sci-fi rpg Mm -hmm. um and it's also easily up to par i think with the witcher 3 when it comes to having like really good character choice and like a really uh, well-defined narrative. I think, like the reason why uh, Mass Effect is so well-renowned for a lot of players is that the dialogue options drive a lot of the direction of the game, uh, and they also direct a lot, uh, a lot of like the player's morality, um, and these directly correlate into the skills and the points that the cl- uh, that that the character has. Mm-hmm. And so, I think Mass Effect series, at least from from what I read and, and took away from, from from folks, was in general it it is well known for being one where every part of the system kind of connects with the other part um and where your dialogue and like character choices really strongly define the overall narrative of the story even more so than the witcher 3 i would say um so i've uh, i've downloaded the mass effect legendary edition which has all of the uh, like all three of the main main series um, if you have game pass it is completely free now uh so you can literally play it for like a dollar if you want to try it out for a month <laughs> Um, but it's pretty well respected, easily for a lot of folks. Some of the later games, like Andromeda, was did what just not Panned. received very well. Yeah, <laughs> it, people did not like Andromeda. Uh, it yeah, it was a little jank. But from what I've read, the OG series is easily one of like the best stories that you can you know be a part of in video game history. From uh, from from what I read, anyway. So um, give it a go. The next game I want to talk about is particularly unique for a number of reasons. Uh, it's called Disco Elysium. Um, it, it was it was released on PC uh, a, a, a while back. Um, and the general plot line is that you you play a detective who wakes up in a hotel room, and for, doesn't know who he is, doesn't know why he's there. Uh, and he's effectively just trying to solve a murder. Um, and, and, that's what, and that's really the basic premise of... Uh, of, of the game from a narrative perspective now i think the reason why this game stands out is because it is definitely the most um in my opinion like stats and numbers based rpg mm-hmm. that like we've recommended from this list um, the gameplay loop is not action oriented yep. quite literally everything you're doing is discovering items in in the world around you it's like a top-down perspective so you get to see the room you get to see the, the character and their surroundings and you're literally clicking them to where you want them to walk, the items that you want them to pick up, the characters that you want them to interact with. Um, your character has so many, oh, my God, insane amounts of, uh, of characteristics with individual points across all of them. Um, there's affiliations for, like, every different kind of thing that you could possibly want to be. Uh, and all of them are influenced by dialogue, by skills that you pick up. Uh, there's also the dice roll element. So a lot of times in dialogue, you can try things um and sometimes based on your skills it works sometimes it doesn't it's purely on like a random number generator um so i played it for a little bit i think tristan you've played it even more than i have do you want to talk about it at all
1: yeah the the two things i want to touch upon was going back to the lack of action like all the other games that we talked about has this notion of combat whereas in disco elysium it's done through dialogue yep um and that's one thing, and then second, I feel like Disco Elysium is probably maybe maybe after the next game I'm going to bring up um, closest to a tabletop experience yet again in mm-hmm. terms of so many different stats. You know, figuring out where to allocate your points. There's you know equipment you can uh, equip and dequip to change your stats, uh, and you can kind of do whatever you want. And w- like, there's no. I feel like all the other games still have some guardrails in terms of how you progress through the game, right? There's, like, missions yeah. and, and things like that. Yes, Disco Elysium also has kind of a path that you need to take, but it's super open world in terms of how you approach um, kind of that murder mystery aspect and, and yeah. what you get to do.
0: It's also pretty funny. I, I think, like, the it in terms of, like, dialogue and narrative, it stood out to me a little bit into just how much character it has. Compared to some of the other ones on the list, like don't get me wrong, Witcher and all all the other ones have great dialogue, but Disco goes out of its way to craft like a really cohesive world um, Mm -hmm. with a history and like character dynamics. They like uh, talk about racism in this made-up world. Uh, There's like a lot of humor between character dialogue. There's a lot of absurdity in general. I I think like it is a bit of a, a nihilistic world. Yeah. Um. But but like it goes out of its way to like embrace that nihilism, but also be like pretty funny along the way. Um, so if you like sarcasm and, and dark stuff, like definitely give this go a go. It's, it's a weird game. I'm still making my way through it, but but it's, it's pretty fun. I, uh, I snuck in the next one.
1: Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. So as we were uh, recording, <laughs> yeah, this, I, I saw you snuck in. it in. Um, me. the reason, so I put divinity. I don't know. I, I think the full title is divinity. The original sin. I, th- I think that's what it's called. Sorry. It is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Like and, The reason I added it in here is because I wanted to tie it back to kind of the core, original RPG experience. Uh, I I feel like I've been saying tabletop 50 times this episode. (laughs) But in Divinity, even from the beginning, there's a lot of customization in terms of player choice and player creation, Uh, in terms of stats that you can build out. uh, There's different races that you can pick that has... uh, advantages and disadvantages depending on the situation but i think the biggest thing about this game that i want to uh, why i want to recommend was one the battle system is exactly like dnd uh well okay i can't claim exactly but it's very similar uh (laughs) grid based system Uh, You can swap in, swap out spells that you can use. Uh, There's friendly fire. There's a whole bunch of things that make it uh, really fun to play, and more of a strategic type of RPG. And then the second is um, it's very open world. You can do things you can just run a corner by accident run into the wrong type of enemy and die so <laughs> uh like it's very non chaining wheels based in terms of what could happen so you need to really understand the world that you're in and then the third is this is I think the only game in the list that we have that is multiplayer so you can oh, play this with your friends uh up to four people can play in a session so uh, I've definitely tried to play this a couple of times with my friends. It, it kind of fizzles out after a few months, but uh, it's a lot of fun because it, it, it incorporates a lot of that social aspect gotcha. um, that we talked about before. So I, I wanted to make sure that this was on the, on the list as well.
0: Cool. So the, the last one on our list is, uh, is a game that is, you're, you're either going to hate it with all of your heart. I think it's, it's the worst game ever made. You're going to break a controller. You're going to punch a wall. Uh, or you're going to love it and it's going to be one of the best games that you've ever played and you're going to uh, try to explain to people why you love it and they're going to be really confused. Um, and that's the Dark Souls series. Uh, so the Dark Souls series is uh, it's, it's a really well-known uh, series of video games developed by a Japanese studio called From Software. Um, so this, the, the first game that the studio released that was in, in the vein of Dark Souls was actually called Demon's Souls. So it was released in about 2009. Um, but I think the most famous ones is the canonical Dark Souls series. That you know, I think there's three games that 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 compose um, Dark Souls overall. Um, I think the reason why this game is so well respected is because Dark Souls, uh, the Souls series in general, fits a really niche area of of, of RPGs for 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 the most hardcore of gamers in that they are insanely difficult. Mm-hmm. um they go out of their way to kind of craft uh a bunch of different things i think the first is a world which is just like ruthlessly cruel. Cool. um the like tonality that they go with is is very dark um it's very uh full of despair uh but these worlds are also really detailed they go out of their way to kind of like make sure that when you're walking through them you feel the atmosphere um and feel the kind of like dreariness of the world that uh, that that they've kind of crafted Mm -hmm. um i think that's paired with uh just the actual combat elements um they are brutal like no there's no way getting around it like a lot of people will realistically play this game for like maybe an hour and then give up because of how difficult these games are um but i think like if you commit what you find is a is like a system that is um, unforgiving, but also incredibly rewarding. Um, full of some of the best boss battles, I think that that are available in video games. I think like the Soul series is definitely renowned for having just incredibly uh, well crafted enemy design and and really well crafted boss battles. Um, I haven't played the OG Dark series, but uh, Soul series, but I've played Sekiro, which is another uh, uh, game that's made by the same studio has the same design philosophy. It is so satisfying when you actually get to beat a boss there. Um, And it's also just like a very exhilarating experience. I think it's a ton of fun for players that are able to push through. Um, I think the third one is kind of why I've included this uh, in the RPG section, but they are also incredibly Um, stats-based. The OG uh, 3 series, Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, they are very focused on player choice in the sense that you come into the world as an undefined character. There is a narrative, but the narrative is really often described through outliers. So it's not... Told directly to you, it, you pick it up through through dialogue, through conversations with side characters. Uh, the narrative's there. It, if you're a very involved player, you'll pick up on it. But I think the core focus is on you to kind of craft a character with the skill sets and the stats that you like uh, that work well in the world, um, and also finding the weapons and and skills that kind of match up with the direction of gameplay that you're going for. Um, I really do think that it's probably the most complicated in terms of uh, player choice and, and stats, just given how many there are. Um, but if you're looking for a very hardcore RPG experience, check out Dark Souls One, check out Dark Souls Three. Uh, demon Souls just came out on PS5. Uh it's, uh, it's pretty well respected from what I've seen. Um, and if you're interested in that kind of like hardcore experience, definitely give Dark Souls a go. Um, it's, it's a ton of fun for a lot of people, yeah. So, I think, uh, Those are definitely some of the main games that we would recommend for you folks to check out if you're at all interested in the genre. Um, For beginners, Skyrim is a really safe, wonderful choice. If you're looking for something that's much more focused on narrative choice and narrative direction, uh, The Witcher 3 and Mass Effect are some of the most well-crafted worlds in video games. Um, If you want something a little bit more different than what we've described, then check out some of the JRPGs that that Tristan talked about. Uh, Final Fantasy, Persona, Pokemon, where things are much more team-focused. Um, And there's still a narrative direction, but you have a bit less of a say of it. Um, If you're looking for something a bit more traditional, uh, akin to Dungeons and Dragons, definitely check out Disco Elysium or Divinity, which are not action focused compared to the other ones, but, um, you know, more focused on kind of interacting with the world uh, and and things like that. And if you want the most hardcore of RPG experiences, then Dark Souls is, is kind of the best choice for you. At the end of the day, what makes or breaks these games is the fact that when you play this game, it is fundamentally in the direction that you want it to be in. And it's unique, right? Like what you do is going to be different from what your friend does and what their friend does and what their friend does. Um, The experience that you have is tuned to the direction to your preferences and your needs. And I think that's really why people like these games so much, right? Like they're just unique and they feel personal. And that investment for a lot of people feels good and it feels satisfying. Um, And so... Yeah, folks, uh, if you're at all interested in, in something like this, definitely give some of these games a go. I don't think you'll waste your time. Um, they are long, they're detailed, but they're a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, we strongly recommend you guys give them a go. So I think that's it for today's episode uh, of, of Loading Screen. Um, thanks so much for joining us, you all. Uh, we would love having you guys here. So thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.